Welcome to Rem and Sam. We're back at it. Back in action. Week of football, college football, NFL, NBA basketball, college basketball. We're not getting into college because it's all preseason and stuff, boring stuff. But it's there. We're we're back at it full week, man. I love this time of year. You know, I, I, at the beginning of the, you know fall, I was like ho hum, it's all boring, blah blah blah. But um, you know, act even the World Series just ended. Um, Astros won. Congrats. All right, enough baseball already. Um, but Rem, how many? How, how has it been trying to keep track of all the sports? You know, give me your eyes cross-eyed on all the screens. What was it? Fifteen games, NBA games in one day yesterday. Like it's it's crazy right now. Every team, every team in the league played like 15 minutes apart from each other. Today is actually, we're recording this on a Tuesday, we're recording this Tuesday night. Today's actually like the one sports break we got. There's nothing going on. You said the World Series ended. There's no basketball. There's no football. Just voting. Voting in yep. polls all day. So today is Hopefully the catch-up day. Yeah, get out and yep. vote. I guess by the time you, this is out. The polls are open, but I guess we can encourage voting all year round, right? Like, get out exactly. and vote. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, no. Hopefully, you did you vote, Rem? Because I did. Of course, bro. You got to do your civil there duty. You, go. you got to take advantage. Um, there you go. God bless America. And uh, the other American thing is football, and we'll get back into NFL. First things first. As we well know, I'm a Chiefs fan. Rem is a Colts fan, and we always start first with our teams, and bad news for the Colts. They've had kind of a rough season, and they finally decide to get rid of Frank Reich. What are your reactions, Rem? Are you happy, sad, mad? What, what's what's going on? The somber day in Colts land. The Frank Reich era has come to an end. It was it was a good era. There, there are no hard feelings toward Frank Reich. He's a great coach. And if we just want to take a step back for a minute and kind of look big picture at what is really going on in Indianapolis here, like why did Frank Wright really get fired? I mean, there's the offensive stuff, obviously, that's been going on the last couple of weeks. Uh, we saw it Sunday against the Patriots, but Jim Irsay, the Colts media, really Colts, like all the Colts fans, just the larger Colts universe in gen- general, everybody has pinned the shortcomings of this team on Andrew Luck's sudden retirement before the 2019 before the 2019 season. It comes up time and time again. This should have been Andrew Luck's team. You lose a legit MVP level quarterback in their prime. It's detrimental to your roster. It has been sort of the overhanging excuse to everything that has been done in Indianapolis. And yes, it you know you know it is a big it is a big deal that Andrew Luck retired. He is very talented, but it's an excuse that has covered the fact that since Andrew Luck has been there, the moves they made at quarterback to replace him are they've overpaid Philip Rivers. They gave him twenty five million dollars when he was pushing forty to come in and be the starter for a year. Traded a first and a third for Matt Ryan or for Carson Wentz turned around and then traded a third round pick for Matt Ryan 
all the all all while you know they're trying to get these older guys in here you think well maybe they're doing something in the draft to maybe bring in a young guy and bring him along as well no well the two quarterbacks they drafted since Andrew Luck retired are Jacob Eason and Sam, Sam Ellinger and just in general under the Ballard era like in six drafts he's had 21 top 100 picks five of them are already gone nine of them have a PF uh, pro football focus grade less than 65. Yeah, yeah, the offense has been bad. It's progressively struggled over the last couple seasons. Yes, Frank Reich has a history of questionable play calling in the red zone and questionable, you know, his time when he his timing and when he follows analytics and making late game decisions. And yeah, yeah, in, in this last game they went 0 for 14 on third down. They had 121 total yards. That's that's 30 yards a quarter. Yes, the offense was terrible. Somebody had to be the scapegoat for what was going on with the offense this season. But just big picture, somebody had to be the scapegoat for this conservative stopgap move for quarterback, the sort of hit-and-miss roster drafting, the non-aggressive free agency, the non-aggressive trades. So he is a scapegoat, not just for this offense, but really for just all the bigger issues for Ballard and his shortcomings at the quarterback and for not being able to keep depth in the in the draft and just all these bigger issues that the Colts have had. So before we get to the Saturday thing, yeah, yes, the offense has been terrible, but Frank Reich is really a scapegoat for much larger stuff than that. 40, 33, and 1. Record while coaching the Colts, two playoff appearances in a little over two, four seasons, one and two in the playoffs. I, I just felt like Frank Reich was handed a bad hand, honestly. I mean, looking at, you know, that offseason right before Luck surprise retired, I mean, you guys were in a really enviable position. I mean, there was a whole lot of cap. You know, you had a franchise quarterback. It really looked like you guys were going to take a leap. And, you know, to out of nowhere to lose what probably he was another generational guy passing on the torch from Peyton Manning, you know, it, 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 I mean, your team obviously still hasn't recovered from it, which is understandable because, you know, you had you had a cornerstone and, you know, once you take it out, the whole house, of course, is going to fall down. So, you know, I think he just may do with what he had. And obviously he's not necessarily like the best coach in the league. But I, I still thought he was a solid guy, you know, but still try to make do uh, with what he had. The, you know, the defense, I felt, always overperformed, you know. But like you mentioned, someone had to get blamed for what was going on. I think, you know, at some point, you know, probably Ballard's, Chris Ballard's seat is hot as well. And um, I, I didn't know if they were going to keep Reich while they were trying, while you guys were trying to tank, you know, while going on the downhill. If you're just like, we'll just keep him or you know, if the expectations from the ownership group are still that we should be competing because it definitely feels like this team is still pushing to be good, which is why, you know, you haven't gone with a developmental guy, a quarterback, kind of gone with the veterans, hoping to squeeze something out of them. You know, we've seen with Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, et cetera. So it's definitely a tough, you know, a tough loss. And, I mean, it makes sense to try to be competitive in a weakish division that you guys are in. You know, not not necessarily having a dominant team. I mean, the Titans have been overperforming lately, but you know, they're they're also a suspect team. So 
there I do get some of the reasoning behind not bottoming out, but I think with Reich being out the door, you know, who knows how long Ballard is there. Ellinger now a quarterback. I think it's definitely, you know, I, I know it hates to be, it's horrible for a team, you know, for to be a fan of a team that should have been great, but now is bottoming out in like what, three, four years. But I think, I think you guys might be tanking pretty soon here. It might, it might be all going downhill even more. Yeah, this is a, this is a full tank. And Ursay, Ursay flexed his muscles a little bit last off season after they lose the Jack, they lose the game to Jacksonville. They miss the playoffs. Ursay says Carson Wentz cannot be the starting quarterback on my team next year. He's flexing his muscles a little bit as an owner. He has really kind of been hands off. He's let Ballard run the team up until that point. But with the Carson Wentz deal and with the Matt Ryan deal, like now he's really, this is him fully stepping in. He's fired Frank Wright. He's taken the reins from Chris Ballard. And he's he's an old school guy. He wants to win Super Bowls. He's got this old school approach to building teams. And that starts with getting a franchise quarterback. And they've time and time again gotten this franchise guy at the top of the draft, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, you know, just the last two examples. But time and time again in their franchise history, they've always gotten their quarterback, you know, out of the draft. Young guy, developed him, bring him in. That's how they like to do it. That's not been, and that's not been Ballard's style since he's gotten in. He's gotten the stopgap free agent, the older veteran guy. And I think, I think Jim Irsay is just sick of it at this point. He stepped in, he's taken the reins for, but he says, you know, we're we're going for it in the draft. He's if we're gonna compete for a Super Bowl, we need a franchise quarterback. If we're gonna get a franchise quarterback, let's get to the top of the draft. Let's start losing some games here. He's stepping in, he's taking the reins from Ballard, and he's going for one of the, he's going for Bryce Young, he's going for CJ Stroud. The tank is in full effect. That's why, you know, we'll get into the Jeff Saturday side of this, and everybody's confused and kind of like, what is happening here? Ursay, he's he's senile. I, I think they're trying to lose games. So, you know, you're bringing a head coach. Like, we've, we've joked the Texans. What are you bringing in Lovey Smith for? Well, you're, you're you're the Texans. You're not trying to win games. You're trying to set a culture. Lovey Smith's a culture guy. Like, you know, I we'll, we'll say the Jeff Saturday stuff. But, you know, you're right. The, t- the tank is in full effect. Ballard or Ursay has stepped in in front of Ballard. And I, I, I that's what I think is absolutely going on here. He said, we're going and we're going to get one of these guys. We're trying to get CJ Stroud. We're trying to get Bryce Young. We want one of these guys to be our quarterback. We're going to have to start losing some games. Yeah, and I'm not going to hate on Jeff Saturday. You know, probably knows more, forgotten more football than I'll ever know. But, like, I, I would, I, I, you know, he, there, what's the nice way to say this? I, I don't expect him to win a lot of games at being where he's at. You know, we're, we're not expecting him to make miracles here. And considering, you know, how quickly it was done. I mean, there weren't even interviewing people, stuff like that. I mean, there's plenty of coordinators out there who could probably, you know, get a job, you know, um, and uh, I, or who they could steal, which is almost always what they do is steal a coordinator from a team when a team actually wants to win. So I don't, I, I think that's a good point about, you know, probably Jim Irsay being sick and tired of seeing all these veterans. And, you know, I think it's, him realizing that the main way they're going to get better is through the draft. Cause you know, free agency with the NFL is kind of weird where you almost never bring in like the superstar. And even when it is, it's really to like smaller market. I, I think this last year was like a big aberration of like people moving. It almost never happens. And 
I mean, the only quarterback that really moved was Russell Wilson anyway. So it's definitely, I mean, I, I definitely think that Ursay has some foresight with being like, this is the only way we're going to make it. We got to take a little bit here. And, um, you know, last time you guys bought him out, you went out and got Andrew Luck. So we'll see. I, and you bring up a good point. There's some good quarterbacks coming up, um, some generational guys. And it's definitely it's definitely going to be interesting to see if you can get one of them because, yeah, what you got right now isn't working. I mean, you know, Sam Ellinger had a great career at Texas, you know, carried some games, but I don't know. I mean, you obviously watch your team more than I do, but I don't know. I've heard, uh, you know, seen it and what I've been see, hearing from people, he, he, he's just he's just a stopgap. He's not the solution. And yes, Jeff Saturday doesn't have a lot of actual coaching experience, but there are experienced coaches on the staff right now. Gus Bradley is there. John Fox is there. Again, the tank is in full effect. They don't need to be winning coaches, but they are experienced coaches. So from a workplace standpoint, they can kind of keep it afloat for the rest of the season. But I think this is kind of one of the other underlying reasons that Ursay wanted to go away from Frank Reich and in a different direction in the long term. Along, if you know, if he's thinking young quarterback, where ultimately do I want to take this team? What kind of coach do I want? What kind of just you know, in general, what do I want going forward long term? Frank Reich was a very, very analytical coach. He used the numbers a lot in his decision making on fourth downs. His play calling in the red zone often was questionable as well. And we know, you know, you just time and time again, we've seen the questionable decision making with the questionable play calling and what that's led to mixed success with all these sort of middling playoff teams, Chargers, you know, the Ravens have a better record. But, you know, Frank Reich has always had mixed success with the analytics in his career. And Ursay was hinting in the press conferences that. He just, in general, wants to get back to, again, he's an old-school guy. He wants to get back to decision-makers that make plays based on what's going on in the game, momentum, you know, real football guys. Jeff Saturday is, he's, again, that's what, uh, he's just a football guy. You know, who knows how he'll do as a coach, but his leadership, everybody's everybody's raving about his leadership quality, so if you're just saying, Hey, somebody's going to handle the offensive stuff and somebody else is going to handle the defensive stuff. And you just got to, you know, make the decisions that the head coach makes over the course of the game. Maybe he can pull that off for, for eight more games, but he wants, I think Ursay wants to get away from the analytical stuff. He's, he's, he's an Al Davis guy. He's learned from Al Davis in the past. He's got that old school mentality and he's, he tried bringing in these new school, you know, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, with the analytics, the numbers. He tried it. I don't think he's really liked it the last six years, and he's trying to move away from it. So that's kind of what the Saturday thing here is doing. But do we want to do we want to guess? Do we want to guess next Colts head coach or Frank Reich landing spot? Either. I mean, maybe Frank Reich could go to Arizona. That's my number one spot. Wow, Arizona. Okay, called it. Greg to Arizona. Kyler mm-hmm. Murray, by far the most talented quarterback that he's ever played with. They kind of have some weapons yeah. now, too. Hopkins is there. Marquise Brown would be back by that time. Maybe they'd finally do something in the draft. It would just be Kyler Murray with a semi-competent coach. With a running record. Yeah, yeah. Would, it would be nice to see. The Raiders. 
that's, that's a, interesting. We both think that's still like they haven't been very good this year, but that's still a talented no, roster. There's still some dudes. Yeah. Max Crosby and Devontae Adams are that those are those are dudes. Same with the Broncos. The Broncos nightmares about Max Crosby. Right to the Browns. Uh, I mean, I think it's a little harder. I kind of want to, and I think the GM will do the same thing. I want to see the team with Deshaun Watson for a whole year. I mean, I don't want Deshaun Watson in the league, but, you know, considering the certain circumstances, you know, I think I think he gets kind of a free pass this year with Deshaun Watson coming in the middle of the year. Stefanski will still be there. Yeah, I don't but, think um, they're ready to, to move yeah, away from yeah. Stefanski. If I was I mean, to... They, uh, heck, they were one or two plays away from knocking out us out of the playoffs. You know, with Baker Mayfield two years ago, and that was our Super Bowl team too. I think they were eleven and five that year. Yeah, with Baker, who has yeah, just been downhill ever since. Yeah, uh, but how long do you think Chris Ballard is there? Do you think he's on his way out? Because you know, I don't. Know, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he. I think he gives them a season or two. Okay. Did the previous the previous GM Grigson was just. Really awful spending draft picks. It was all very, very bad. He just wasted Andrew Luck's career, drove Andrew Luck to early retirement. Ballard has, you know, he's still, he's managed to make that that r- roster budget-friendly. Like you said, they've had cap space a lot of the time that he's there. He's still, you know, he still has had hits in the draft. When when they bring him That's in that true. first season with Andrew Luck, you know, he has the class with Quentin Nelson, Shaq Leonard, and Braden Smith all in the same draft. Like, you have to give him credit for that. That's an outstanding mm-hmm. draft class. He also had another draft Hitman. class where he had Hitman and Jonathan Taylor. That Another. That's just another insane mm-hmm. offensive draft class. Well, but top to bottom, it just it hasn't, it hasn't really been there. So I, I think they give him a couple more years. I think he likes the way that he thinks about football. But I think Ursay is just... The quarterback position needs solved, and Ursay is saying, we're going to solve it in the draft. If I had to make a guess as to who the next Colts head coach would be, an early, some early, early predictions. I think I think Ursay, he's shown a history of liking, you know, an older coach, a coach that's been around a long time, maybe a guy that's even been a head coach before, has had some previous experience, you know. Jim Mora was the head coach for the Saints for a long time. Dungy for the Bucks. Caldwell was the assistant in Indianapolis and then was promoted. So oh. a lot of experience there when he got there. Pagano. Pagano had been in the league for a long time. Same with, same with Frank Wright. So he likes experienced guys that have been around. It seems like there's some early talk that Greg Roman might be in the mix. The Ravens oh, offensive coordinator. I don't know necessarily how I feel about that, but Seems like a guy that maybe Ursay would kind of like. And then just also looking around the league, maybe Dan Quinn. Not this is not a wish list by any means. This is just a <laughs> this is predictions. And maybe Dan Quinn's just the type of guy that Ursay would gravitate gravitate to. I think he definitely reaches out to Jim Harbaugh. I think he re- reaches out to Bruh. Sean Payton. I don't think either of those guys touched Sean Payton's definitely not coming. I think nah, Harbaugh I thinks know. about it. I don't ultimately I don't think Harbaugh leaves Michigan. What no. if he reaches out to Bruce Arians? Bring him back. That'd be crazy. Who who is your wish? Who's your realistic wish 
coach, wishlist coach. So there hasn't really been one candidate that has like stood out that has like really, really jumped out by any means this year. And we still have a long ways to go, but mm-hmm. I guess I don't have, I don't have a necessarily a, a coaching wish list. but, but if I was, if I was running the team, if I was interviewing these guys, some guys I would definitely have at the top of my list to talk to would be D'Amico Ryans, the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator. I feel oh, yeah, like you definitely yeah. have to talk to him. He had he was very popular name floating around to start the season. The 49ers defense was playing fantastic. And when that defense is healthy, it is just awesome. And, you know, Robert Sala on the Jets, I'm sure we'll get to him in a minute, but he's 49ers defensive coordinator. There's been some history of success there. So you definitely have to bring in D'Amico, Ryan. Byron Lefwich, I don't know. I feel like I would just have to bring him in and talk to him. I've been, I kind of like the stuff they've done with Brady and that offense in Tampa Bay. When it's been at its best, when Godwin and Evans, and it seemed like there was a time when they were really using those guys to their peaks. Now I don't really know what's happening, but, you know, if we can go, hey, Byron, can we handle Whatever that was back in the day. Sean Payton would be another one, but I don't think he would just, I just, there's no way he would take the job. Yeah. The NBC is paying him too much money um, to sit there and talk about our next game, which is the Chiefs versus Titans. Chiefs at home beat the Titans 20 to 17. And I'm going to tell you, this game was way, way too close. Um, Mahomes, this this game gave shades of the Bills versus Dolphins earlier in the season, where the Dolphins somehow won with the same score, uh, twenty to seventeen for them, and the uh the favorites in that game for the Bills and Chiefs ran like a kajillion play. So the Chiefs in this, I mean, Mahomes had a career high sixty eight attempts throwing, and they were just both teams were just chucking all their offense they could at them, and you know they couldn't convert. Uh, Mahomes also had uh, six re- carries for 63 yards, another career high. And the craziest part of this game is that no zero receivers for the Titans caught a pass. There was zero receptions for the Titans. And that's because they had Malik Willis playing. He only had five made throws. Which is crazy when you think about it that five made throws. I mean that that reminds me of that uh, NFC Championship where you know uh, Garoppolo went like three for five or something. But I mean they were running that team out of the building, and this was a close game in in KC. And so much respect to the Titans to pull it off and almost win. I mean they took us to overtime. I'm not gonna lie, it was, it was really scary, but. It's kind of crazy that this year, you know, it makes sense, but it's still weird seeing it that our defense is actually playing at a pretty elite level. They're slowing down teams. It's our offense that's stumbling and sputtering. And, you know, that, I mean, even that drive to get the field goal, you know, we had a tight end, Noah Gray, who had to catch the ball like twice. I mean, it felt really lucky. You know, there was a catch from Kelsey where, like, the ball is pretty much gone and, like, away from him. So, you know, it's obviously Mahomes is Mahomes, but the offense has definitely felt like it's taken a step back. And I feel like it's because we haven't balanced with the run game enough. We need to to run the ball more. But what have you been seeing, Rem? Because all of America was watching it. 
That's like the constant memo with the Chiefs is they need to run the ball more. Do you know they spend the first round pick on Clyde? They're always trying to get the running back, and I think they were in the McCaffrey conversation a little bit. Mahomes throws the ball 68 times in this game. Do 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 you need to run the football? That was I don't know. It was kind of awesome to just see Mahomes drop back and throw every time. And then if nothing's there down the field, he scrambles away. He's awesome. He gets out of bounds. He gets in the end zone for touchdowns. I may, maybe, you know, for the long-term success of this team that needs to work, but the bills with Josh Allen, the Ravens with Lamar, like these are different. It's a different running dynamic, but having the quarterback as the primary, you know, having the scramble as the primary option to your run game, quote unquote, is, is kind of a thing that NFL offenses do now. So I don't know, maybe you just kind of stick to it, especially for the regular season. Like who cares? Running backs, anyways, you don't need them. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. Just just have him have him have the ball every every play. Just do what the Bills do with Josh Allen. And then he scrambles away. All of his scrambles, too, in the fourth quarter. They're clutch. They're timely. That's perfect. That's exactly what you need. Yeah, no, you're right. But this this year, it's definitely uh seemed like, you know, ever since Tyreek got traded, it definitely seems like He's taking a step back. He definitely seems like with the team um, that, you know, they're still trying to figure stuff out, you know, and the defense has still been healthy. It's kind of interesting. Tony got some playing time this this game too. Um, it's kind of interesting to see him in the offense kind of get in, in Greece, you know, into the offense. But with the Bills dropping the game this week, um, the Chiefs and Bills are tied at the top of the AFC. And, you know, it's kind of hard to be to pick who are the most elite teams because we've kind of seen everyone struggle right now outside of like the Eagles and maybe the Cowboys, which is kind of weird to be saying. I don't know if they're and we've talked about this already. I don't know if there's really an elite team in the NFL. And, uh, you know, the Chiefs have been stumbling a lot. The Bills, you know, they lost against the Jets, who we'll talk a little in a little bit, but it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see how badly some of these teams are stumbling because with the talent, you know, even without Tyreek on Hill on the Chiefs, but especially the Bills, you know, you'd think they'd be running these teams out of the t- out of town. I mean, I'll 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 say it again. I have no problem writing for my boy Tua, but when Tua's <laughs> in at the when Tua is the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, they have not struggled. They are undefeated. Their offense looks insane. So I, I mean, you know, I, I was alluding to it last week, but you know, we do. I, I think the Dolphins are in the mix at the top of the NFC or the top of the AFC. Uh, they would be my third team. They'd be behind KC. They'd be behind Buffalo. But I mean, those would be, those would be my top two guys. McDuffie played it Sunday night as well. The rookie corner. He was yeah. back from injury. He was out. Good to see him out there. I mean, Chris Jones has been playing out of his mind as well. Yeah. So is so is Sneed. This is this is probably the best. Is this the best just overall the defense has played in the Mahomes era? Is Definitely. this just the best I mean, the defense has looked? Definitely. I mean, we definitely can't blame him. For what's going on, I think every year, you know, Veach has been hearing, oh, the defense, the defense, you know, and 
through the draft, we've definitely built up the defense and um, built up what the what we've definitely built up the talent there to the point that you know now we're starting to get guys everywhere. I mean, Nick Bolton has turned into a solid linebacker for this team. Thornhill in the back there, Sneed, like you mentioned. And now even on the on the line, you know, Carlaftis, Carlaftis, Georgia's Carlaftis. You know, he comes up with a couple plays every single every single game. So, we've definitely seen the the work being put in to build up this defense. And now it's time for the offense to take care of it and I think I mean, it seems simple, but obviously it's harder than it sounds. But we just we need to give more carries to our running backs. We have no reason not to utilize Pacheco, you know, CAE. We have good running backs. We just don't use them. And especially as we get closer to the playoffs, we need to get more used to, you know, running the ball, getting used to it. And, you know, other teams with weaker quarterbacks, that's what, you know, that's what they do. And, I mean, considering we only had 13 carries for – you know, the four running backs that were used in this game. I mean, that's that uh, 14 combined carries. I mean, that's inexcusable. So I think we, we don't have too much pressure from our division. So I think we should be good. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on as we continue to mesh as a team post Tyreek Hill. Um, for a team that doesn't seem to be meshing post their great wide receiver leaving, the Packers – Rough, rough week. I was, I was actually talking to a friend about we were looking through the games, and I was like, the Lions, you know, kind of half jokingly, they could make things interesting against the Packers. And he was like, no, there's no way. I mean, they've been bad, but not that low. Well, looks like the team went that low as Rodgers has three picks, two of them on the goal line. And you know, now, now it's starting. Now we got to seriously ask questions about Rodgers because, I mean, that was a one in six team. And, you know, coming in and, you know, getting outplayed by Jared Goff. I mean, his QBR, Jared Goff had a 28.5 QBR. Rodgers had 25. You know, Goff's passer rating was 78. Rodgers was 53. He's getting outplayed by Goff. And, and it's not just this game. It's been the last couple of games. Are the perks catching up to Rodgers? Is this it? Like, can we finally say this is it for Rodgers, or are we still in? Bam! I feel like this is a this is a take that you would have. I feel like I'm stealing this take from you, but bro, oh. are, are we gonna are we gonna see Jordan Love this year? Is oh. is he gonna play for the Packers? Love for love. Like and I, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm not even saying like they, they, you know, Rogers gets benched, but they keep losing games. They're tankings. I don't know. Maybe long term, Rogers is like Green Bay's not the place for me. I don't want to go there. Trade deadline's already passed. He don't want to get hurt. He sits out the last couple of games. Maybe we see Jordan Love that way. But is this where this is headed? Is this headed for the beginning of the Jordan Love era in Green Bay? That'd be very interesting if he did. Um, I think, I mean, it makes sense. It's kind of like a Houston kind of thing with John Wall or, you know, OKC with Horford, where they're like, just go home. You know, we'll try to find some trade for you. And, you know, but I don't think, I don't know if that translates to football. 
Um, you know, Rogers has too much pride to just go quietly. And, you know, he he's gonna thug it out. He's gonna keep pushing. He's gonna keep fighting. He's um he, no matter how bad it is. And it it looks really bad right now. Pat the Vikings just won't quit winning. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. Also, shout out to TJ Hawkinson, had a great debut. I think he had like nine receptions for 70 yards or something like that. But definitely with the Packers, they may be only second in the NFC North, but it definitely feels like they're a lot lower. I mean, Dobbs is out, so now you have Lazard and an old Watkins and Christian Watson, I guess, who's also questionable. So now you're getting down, and Randall's out, so, you know, fully healthy people is Lazard, old Watkins, and Toure or Amari Rogers. Like, it definitely makes sense. I guess Tanyan for tight end. It definitely makes sense for Rodgers to be say, I'm out. You know, there's no reason for him to play, honestly. And it's just, it's kind of wild that, you know, after all this summer, talking about Jeopardy host and, you know, all these different kinds of stuff. I mean, maybe he should have stayed on Jeopardy because this is ugly right now. You know, long long term, the Packers the Packers did invest a lot in their defense the last couple of seasons. There are a lot of young pieces there. It feels like they might be getting misused. Feels like the coaching staff might not be up to par from the the defensive st- schematic standpoint. Feels like maybe if they get an upgrade there, maybe that could turn that they could turn that unit around. If they really invest in the offense this draft, maybe there's a chance they can kind of reboot a little bit and be in a better spot. They can bring in a receiver. Maybe they go tight end. Maybe they get a lineman. They just they just need to bulk up in some way. And maybe if they actually do that long term, that will be that'll be good. But this season, I it it's it's pretty much done. I don't know really how this gets better unless we said Dobbs just ascends and becomes awesome, but chances of that happening are slim. And do the perks tell Rogers to go somewhere else? Is that was is that what happens? Is that where this is going? I think Rogers got all this flack over the summer for whatever he was doing, you know, with all his shenanigans, all his little scandals and all that. And I think he was coming into this year being like, All right, here we go. I'm gonna shut everyone up. I'm gonna perform at an elite level, I'm gonna be one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And, you know, this is gonna show them. And, you know, he he ended up going out and doing the exact opposite and tanking what's left of his career. And the Packers, I think, are were, are completely blind if they don't at some point replace him during the season or next year. And, you know, Rodgers wanted to leave anyway. So I think it'll be a mutual leaving of each other in this offseason, which, you know, may start sooner than they normally do for the Packers. And... You know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether Jordan Love has something there. You know, I feel like he's the only, he's barely been given any, you know, consecutive games. It'll, but it'll be a while before they can't bench Rodgers just out of the sheer love for him, especially in that area. And um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be it's definitely weird already to see Tom Brady and Rodgers playing this badly because you always trust them. Um, at least Brady, you know, he won and, and he has some players coming back and he always puts his team in a weird position to win. But Rodgers has just been straight up bad, straight up bad. I mean, you can make injury excuses and the roster is an experience or whatever, but 
the game the game Sunday was unacceptable. The three picks. It's just yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not what you should be doing if you're Aaron Rodgers. It's not how you should be playing. It's not how you should be playing if you're two time MVP. But it is how you should be playing if you're on DMT. That's for sure. This is true. This is very true. Um, and looking to a quarterback who people are talking about like he's won two MVPs, Justin Fields. Stock is through the roof. I've never seen people love Fields this much. Um, I mean, it was close with the national championship game, but even then, you know, this is this feels a lot stronger. And um, I guess, Ram, you've been watching him more closely than I have. What's what's all this hype about? This is this is a really good case of using players to their strengths to help them grow, to help them gain confidence. Because confidence is ultimately what is going is what is going to help these guys succeed, especially at quarter, especially at the quarterback position. In the long run, that's what that's what's going to make these guys great at their position. Justin Fields, early on, he's he's kind of an underdeveloped passer. He's raw. He's going to need time to learn the progressions, to learn to read defenses, to just grow in that area. And it seems like bringing him into the league. The way the smart way to use him early on would be as a runner. He's very athletic. He's fast. He's elite in the open field. He's great with the ball in his hands. And the Bears just weren't doing that. You know, last season he had two, he only had two games with 10 plus carries. And he only had two games with 50 plus rush yards. This, 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 this stretch that he's having right now, these last four games, it's been totally different. He's 12 and a half rushing attempts a game. 102 rush yards per game. That's 408 yards over the last four games. And by the best that I can tell, that's the most by any quarterback rushing over a four-game stretch. I went through and kind of looked at all of the other elite rushing quarterbacks and saw what they did over their best four-game stretches. His best four-game stretch was 399 yards. Michael Vick, 361 yards. Josh Allen, 351 yards. Randall Cunningham, throw him in there from the back in the day, 321 yards was his best four-game stretch. Kyler Murray's best four-game stretch, 308 yards. Colin Kaepernick, 306. Robert Griffin, 288. Cam Newton and Russell Wilson, 286 yards. And Jalen Hurts, 272 yards. And, you know, he's, he's already an elite rusher and – it's helped his confidence in the passing game. We've seen him make big throws now. We've seen him lead this offense down the field time and time. They're keeping pace with the Dolphins. The Dolphins are one of the better offenses in the league. They're going toe-to-toe with them. They, they're coming close to even winning that game, too. They're just a, It was like, what, 32-35. That game was surprisingly close. And you just think of the upside of what he can do as both a rusher and a pass, a runner and a passer. And the quarterbacks that have the ability to be the team's, you know, obviously the the quarterback, the passing threat, but also the number one rushing threat. I mean, that puts him on a tier with Josh Allen, Lamar. It's just like those, basically those three guys, he's in a very, very elite group. So the upside stuff, you're right. It's through the roof with Justin Fields right now. And I love it. I feel like he was kind of secretly everybody's favorite guy coming out of the 2021 draft. I know obviously everybody was like Trevor Lawrence has the physical tools, but I think people really like Justin Fields mentality. 
He was a hard worker. And we're seeing now if, if you kind of use him how he should be used properly, play to his strengths, let him grow his confidence. We're really seeing now that his game is beginning to take off. I, I'm not going to lie. It's going to take me a little longer to come around on him. Take me a little longer to give him a little love. But he's definitely up there. He's definitely in the middle. Of the, I'd like to see him win some more games. You know, actually improve with this team. Um, but, you know, they don't have to. They're not on a timeline right now. Um, I think they're chilling where they're at, at third place. And, you know, it's a good first season. He's just growing. It's not his first season, but the field's still got a lot of room to grow. And giving him that freedom to make mistakes and go out there and learn on the fly is invaluable, especially for this team building long term. So it's good to see it. Um, and another team that's starting to put the pieces together, building for long term, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 uh, with Zach Wilson, and then you got Sauce Gardner on defense. I mean, this team really is turning a corner, and it's it's starting to look scary. I mean, that, that division is looking good, and I don't think anyone could say that they expected this for from the Jets this first beginning of the season, and and it all culminated together to beat the Bills on Sunday. I mean, that was all their hard work, but into one game. And, you know, they faced the Patriots again and the Bears. And then they got a couple tough games, but they have a couple easy ones. And I wouldn't be surprised if they use it to push the Bills in their own division, which would be very interesting. We've talked in the past about how they've they nailed their last draft, three first-round draft picks, hit them all. They even got like a second Brees, Brees Hall. They got a second. They hit four picks a row, picks in a row in the last draft. They brought in maybe the best quarter cornerback duo in the league. Pro Football Focus has them tied eighth overall right now. Best roster in the NFL. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talent on this New York Jets team. And if you're just thinking big picture with them, like I was thinking about, you know, like just if you could chart out roster play or roster construction and quarterback play and kind of see where the intersections have to be in order for the teams to be Super Bowl caliber teams, where would Zach Wilson fall on that chart? Because the the makings of a Super Bowl caliber roster, like this is how you build it if you're the New York Jets. You nail a draft. You bring in a bunch of these young guys. You have an awesome free agency class where you sign, you know, DJ Reed. They brought in CJ Mosley in the past. They've even had past draft classes as well where they've gotten the stars like Quinnen Williams. But I mean, Zach Wilson is obviously going to be going to be the question. Like, what what level does does he get to in his career? But the question becomes. We, we've seen it with the Garoppolo and the Niners and the NFC, but how good can you build your roster to where the quarterback play doesn't have to matter as much? Because the Jets right now, they have a lot of talent. They're still going to continue to, you know, accumulate talent. They have a lot of, they have a lot of cap space. They have draft pick. Like they're still going to be able to add to this team. And the question is going to come down because, Again, they have the cap space this offseason. They have a chance to, quote-unquote, fix the Zach Wilson pick this offseason 
if you know they want to say sign Lamar, Lamar is going to be a free agent. If they want to try to make a move for Rodgers, you know who 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 knows who knows what Brady's going to be doing. He's not. He's you know he's no commitments anymore. So maybe he's just free up to play football again next year. Just there's a lot of direct directions the Jets could go, or they could commit to Zach Wilson and continue to build around this roster. But I the the question becomes. How good can Zach Wilson become versus how good can they make this roster around him? But if 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 you're the if you're the Jets, like what what are you what are you doing? Are you committing to Zach Wilson long term? Because they actually do legitimately have a chance to get out of him. And so there are they have a chance to make up and upgrade at that position this offseason with the cap space that they have. Yeah. No, they definitely do. Um, you know, they're definitely. I think over the past couple of years, they've cleared out some space actually, and you know, it's it's nice to see a team change it up. Um, it's nice to see you know, team being like, let's let's uh, let's go for it. They they've been they've been they've been building that uh, foundation for a couple of years now. Um, and it will be interesting to see what they do with Elijah Moore. I think we talked about it last pod um, with Elijah Moore wanting to get traded. Um, you know, he's he's definitely a talented guy. And, uh, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he'll actually want to stick around because you, it's like what, what matters to you more is winning or your own stats. And the team is winning. That's a fact. And, you know, I know definitely the first year with Salah, there were some questions, you know, what, why, what's going on? Is he actually going to, you know, is he just a guy who claps on a sideline or does he actually have a culture? And it seems like he's definitely, um, he's definitely brought his identity to this team and they're starting to prove themselves. They're starting to grow. And that sauce Gardner pickup, you know, is definitely one of the great ones, one of the best ones from the draft that's instantly popping off. I mean, every time it seems like almost after every game, I see some, you know, stats saying Sauce Gardner, you know, allowed only two passes, one pass, no pass to his guys. Like he he's just on he's just on something right now. He's playing great. Like Brees, like you mentioned, Brees Hall, I I would say guy, he's he's definitely overperforming. And, you know, all the pieces are just working together to for them to have wins and you know it, it while while the bills are definitely kings of their division you know they just beat them at home so who knows i mean maybe they maybe they can catch up to the bills i mean they're both tied and the bills are six and two they're six and three so they better watch out you know and the rest of the division is the solid too like we mentioned you guys i mean the afc's got three teams out all at six and three or six, all oh, at six wins, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, and, you know, the Patriots aren't nothing to be mad at. I mean, they have a winning record. So that that's definitely turned from a Patriots-dominated division to a very competitive division. Maybe the most competitive in the league right now outside of NFC East um, with, the, with the AFC West kind of falling apart and the NFC West also falling apart um, outside of the top teams. And, um, yeah, it's kind of kind of interesting. I, I didn't really expect, you know, everyone in the AFC, um, AFC North or AFC East to suddenly get good. But 
I mean, you know, if we look at them, they all have solid. They all know what they're doing at quarterback. They all have coaches that they're happy with. And um, and they're all starting to think, you know, starting to believe, really believe in their teams. And uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun the next couple of years with those young quarterbacks at each of the teams, because um, yeah, each of those teams has a young quarterback who they consider their franchise guy, and uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of interesting. I didn't notice till just looking at it, but it's there. I mean, they're all one win away from each other or less. Like that. That's I mean, that's why the Zach Wilson thing is interesting because. You know, he does he does kind of play with the confidence and employees that is interesting at times. And but but the 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 roster is like it's it's there at this point. Like they they have as yeah. many wins with the with the quarterback play that they've gotten out of Zach Wilson. The the defense in that Bills game, like the reason the Bills often struggled is because the Jets defense time and time again made elite plays, even on that very last play, that fourth down play where Josh Allen throws like this insanely deep. Hail Mary just dart to J- uh, Gabe Dave just running down the sideline, except for the fact that Sauce Gardner's there, gets a hand on it, breaks it up. The cornerbacks were outstanding all game. Quinn and Williams is having a all pro level season on the in- interior defensive line. Like he's been outstanding. So the, the, there's just, there's a, a lot of talent. They're young, they're cheap. Like er- everything you want from a, from a roster standpoint, they have. And it's just, it's crazy that, you know, you watch them play the Bills like they're they're on the level with with those teams, and it's it's the over under was five and a half. They already passed it. They're at six. It's crazy that this is happening. It's crazy that there's a renaissance in New York, and it's you know they don't they don't have their quarterback, which is the best part of all this. Well, maybe they don't. I don't know. We'll 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 find out. But I'm not sold yet. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I mean, I give it a couple, couple more weeks. Um, you know, a couple more wins, but uh, it's definitely promising, and you know, it's definitely um something to keep an eye on. That, you know, maybe the with the AFC East, it's gonna be interesting to see who comes out of there, and you know, maybe all the teams do with the new wild card rules and how weak the rest of the week uh, weak the rest of the conferences, um. But yeah, also looking at a team that, you know, has been overperforming the Seahawks with Geno Smith. Um they they themselves are in a weakish division and been taking advantage of the last couple of weeks, um, finding ways to win. And, you know, definitely with the Seahawks, that was personally that was a lot more of a surprise because it definitely felt like with the Russell Wilson trade, the Seahawks are like, fine, fine. We'll actually put in work to rebuild this team. You know, we'll actually give everything up, you know, to, you know, hopefully get a franchise quarterback because it's not working with Wilson. And now they're two games ahead on their division, a division that includes the Super Bowl champions, Rams, you know, uh, the 49ers who have talent everywhere with, especially with CMC joining the team at the deadline. And another team that, you know, with a, you know, with a questionable uh, coach, but still really talented uh, quarterback and team. And, you know, it's the Seahawks who are above them all. And it's definitely, uh, 
another probably the other surprise storyline from this year. I tell me tell me if I'm wrong, but I me- I remember in the offseason wasn't Drew Locke the starter? Wasn't he supposed to be the yeah. starter for this team going into the season? And then I don't know, he got hurt, had some surgery or something. They threw Geno Smith in. It was like you know he's a better fit for this offense. Not only are they ahead of their division, it's to the point where. I don't know. Do we have to kind of take the Seahawks as serious? I don't know if they're contenders. I don't know if they're, you know, I, they, I don't think they would beat the Eagles and then in the NFC championship game to go to the Super Bowl. But are they like a final yeah. four level team? Like, do we have to think of the Seahawks as a final? If the Vikings are the second best team in the NFC, uh, you could talk me into the Seahawks being into the NFC championship game. And We've seen the NFC. There, there's been a history of some questionable quarterback matchup, matchups in the NFC Championship game as well. I mean, last year it was Matt Stafford versus Jimmy G. In 2019, Jimmy G won the NFC. 2018 was Jared Goff versus old Drew Brees, like old noodle arm check down Drew Brees. 2017, Nick Foles versus Case Keenum. 2015, Cam Newton versus Carson Palmer. So, I mean... The quarterback play and Gino has been Gino has actually been now for half a season one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's third in passer rating. He's fourth in QBR. And he's first in completion percentage right now, 73.1%. That would be the third highest all time. The only other guy to do it would be Drew Brees in 20 or in 2018-19. Those two seasons, he would have had higher completion percentages. And even like the metrics love him, pro football focus, he's the fourth-ranked quarterback, only behind Tua, Mahomes, Josh Allen. So he's having a legitimately elite season. It's going, it's continued now where we have to go. I don't know. I think we have to kind of look and just go, like if, if we're questioning who else in the NFC besides the Eagles, I don't know. I feel like don't we have to start with maybe who else might be the best quarterback in the NFC. And that and this year it's actually been Geno Smith. So maybe the Seahawks are a team we actually have to start saying might be like a final four team. Like they might actually make a deep playoff run this year. Like that might actually be a thing that the defense, you mentioned it seemed like it was restructuring, but the corners are playing well. They're getting production out of all these random guys. Like Pete Carroll just has these guys energized. The arrow's pointing upward. Seems like good things happening. They've won four games in a row. So I'm I'm kind of sipping the Kool-Aid. I'm kind of buying the Seahawks stock halfway through the season right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm all in on the Seahawks too. Definitely with Geno Smith finally getting a legit chance. Some wide receiver and options. Pete Carroll, you know, veteran coach on that team. And some hard-nosed football in a weak division and weak conference. You know, besides the top teams, you know, I definitely it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see how deep the Seahawks go. Um, They're also another balanced team um, that balances. But, you know, Geno Smith has stepped up so far. I don't think he'll be able to do that in the playoffs. But, you know, it's an interesting thought experiment of, you know, how how do teams without a franchise quarterback cope or, you know, move on. So, um. I mean, the Seahawks were supposed to be the number one tanking team, um, definitely in their own division. And now how the tables turn. 
So, um, also to turn some tables, let's turn them over to NBA. And uh, I know Ram, you want to talk about some of the MVP race? Looking at um, after what? What has it been? 10, 15 games. Three weeks. Three weeks. Little, little games. Um, so who are you looking for your top top couple candidates for the MVP race? LeBron? Yeah, I mean, we're three weeks into the season. It's, you know, insanely early to start doing MVP race. But I do I do think we can we can set the stage for the narrative for the MVP race. So, you know, I think we're working okay. a couple steps ahead here. It's early on in the season, yep. so we're going to work with some early stuff. We're not talking about who's going to be the MVP of the league, but if we're looking at the stars of the league, if we're looking who's going to be in the conversation for the MVP, we're breaking these guys up into different categories. There's the older stars in the league. We've got LeBron, yep. Steph, KD, you know, Lillard, and the the Blazers are having an interesting season, but you got these, you know, you, these thirty plus, these aging superstars. You've got the guys that are in the prime of their career right now. You've Giannis, Jokic, Embiid. You know, if you want to throw Anthony Davis in that mix, throw him in there as well. And then you got the young guys, the next generation, the ones that are coming up with Luca, Tatum, Ja, Booker. You know, I think we're probably going to have an MVP conversation about Donovan Mitchell as well this year. But if we're just looking at all these different yeah. groups of guys, like I, I think it's fair to say at this point that the 30 plus, you know, the aging superstars that their kind of MVP days are over. Like Steph is having an awesome season to start. LeBron, you know, the, the Lakers aren't going to do anything. And Durant's having an awesome season yeah. as well. The Nets are up and down. So Steph's kind of the one guy, but it feels like his MVP days might be over. The prime guys, like Giannis is two-time back-to-back MVP. Jokic is back-to-back MVP. So it feels like both those guys are both going to also, they're going to have phenomenal seasons, but back-to-back MVP. I don't know if the narrative will build for them in the way that it might for some other guys. So with, you know, how some of these guys are playing right now and it, whereas it seems like the narratives are going, we're looking toward this young group of guys. And I'm wondering if this is the season where the narrative shifts away from the Giannis, Jokic, Embiid group of superstars. And it shifts toward the Luka, Tatum, Booker, Mitchell, Moran. It shifts and, you know, it goes into the next wave of superstars. Is this the season where we get officially the next wave in the MVP? Because, you know, the talent pool, we've said, it. it this is the deepest the league has ever been. There's young guys. There's, you know, a new wave of young guys coming in every year. It's insane how deep it goes. These waves are going to keep coming. So I feel like once, like we said, it's already shifted away from these older guys. I feel like the guys that are in the primes right now may have had their run. And maybe this is the season where it shifts away from Giannis, Jokic, and, you know, sadly, maybe Embiid is going to miss the vote on his, miss the vote on his chance at an MVP. 
in the long term. Same with Anthony Davis. And maybe we get one of the younger guys because Luca right now is just 30 points. He's 30 points every game this season so far. He's been insane. Tatum, you've said it time. Tatum's just perfect as a basketball player. He can't even complain. He does everything you want. Mitchell has just been phenomenal. The Cavs are like going to emerge as a legitimate contender coming out of the East. He's scoring 31 plus points a game. The Cavs are first in net rating, 10 plus, 10.2. So there's going to be a conversation around him. Booker and the Suns are going to be surgical as well this entire season. And he is playing absolutely phenomenal. So if you told me that that was going to be your ballot, if one of those guys was ultimately going to, you know, if the narrative was going to find their way around to one of those younger guys, I wouldn't be surprised. And if that's the case, I don't feel like we're going back. I feel like that it's their time. They would take over and it would be those guys from there for, and then, you know, it's the next group of guys, Anthony Edwards, Wan Binyan, when he comes in, whoever else, but is this the season, Sam, where, the young guys officially take over. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it is. And, um, you know, I I mean, because I think they're kind of sick and tired of those middle guys and Giannis winning it all the time. Jokic winning it all the time. That's I do think thing. Joel Embiid could be an interesting candidate in there. Um, but, he, you know, without James Harden, we'll have to see how many games he'll win. But, you know, John Morant, if he has a great season, he could be a, you know, fun, sexy pick. Um, you know, who else did you have in that group? Jason Tatum. At some point, he's going to get his. And looking at the, looking at the you know, landscape of the league, you know, it's – we definitely have those older guys we're starting to phase out. And those current guys, you know, I think they've already had their runs of winning – MVPs and stuff. And now it's time for the fun young guys. I mean, you know, Trey Young too. You can throw on that list as a hopeful. And, you know, I I uh I mean, we need obviously more time, but you know, like you mentioned Donovan Mitchell, probably, I mean, probably I'd say the favorite right now if I had to pick one. I mean, you know, obviously I want to throw Jason Tate bomb there. Um, but I do think he does a lot of scoring load for the Celtics. Now, Jalen Brown also helps him with a lot. So it's not completely on him. Um, I don't know. Who would you pick right now as your MVP? I mean, we're three weeks in. I, there's no way you can. Yeah, there's no way you could pick an MVP at this point. But you, you made, you made the key point there where, when we're setting the narrative here is it just feels like, you know, Giannis and Jokic are going to have phenomenal seasons. Giannis is just insane right now. He's going to make his case. He's going to make his run. I just don't feel like his narrative is going to be strong enough. He's won back to back in the past already. And he's, you know, guys, they get their late twenties, early thirties. They start gearing more that playoff mindset that can serve your body through the regular season for it. You're not like Donovan Mitchell's just going for it every night. Like he's 30 points a game. Same with Jaw. Durant and Curry kind of have to with what their rosters are doing right now. I know, I know at some point in the season here, we'll get into the Warriors if they continue the struggles that they've had. But you know, I just these these young guys, M- M- Mitchell's been the one that's capturing everybody right now. The Cavs have been the best. So if the season for some reason stopped, 
I guess, I guess I would have no problem, but again, it, I'm not picking the MVP, not saying who's not going to, you know, not saying Giannis and Jokic aren't going to play well. They're going to be fantastic, but maybe this is the season where the narrative shifts the narrative anyways, not the, not the titles in the basketball on the court, but Mm. the way, the, the 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 way the media and the stories and all that stuff. Yeah. People in media are going to have to learn new names. You know, they're going to have to get used to new guys being the main people on TV. And I definitely think that, you know, with Giannis and um, and Embiid and Jokic and all those guys, you know, I definitely feel like there is a step above for Jokic. They're carrying their teams right now. And I think everyone kind of knows it. Nothing new. They've been given their props. And um, I can't wait to see these young players. I think John Morant carries this team. And if they get a number one seed, which is very likely, and he has a great season. Who knows? I, I think he could be the favorite very easily, even though, you know, some smart analytics people could talk about how good his team is around him, blah, blah, blah. But we'll see. I mean, you know, it's definitely uh, it's definitely an interesting season because it's every I mean, the East is now finally now after all these years, probably better than the West. Um, a lot more young talent, more established teams. And then with this going on, it's definitely um, things are getting changed up in the NBA because now it's, you know, with the East, there's so many f- fires and dumpster fires there. It's Now it's hard to figure out, you know, what is going on with the Lakers, you know, you know, the Mavs, is this really going to work? And the Suns, of course, aren't winning games. And it's, it's there's a whole lot of questions about a whole lot of teams. Oh, well, we mentioned a little bit of Trey Young, and I saw a little bit of doubt with him being an MVP conversation. One interesting game we saw this past weekend, the Bucks. They this year had their um they had um their best start, I think, or they tied somewhere there, either tied or had their best start to the season where the only undefeated team left in the NBA until they played the Hawks who beat them quite handedly without Trey Young and watching that game it kind of got me thinking about you know I've always liked Trey Young with his with the team you know I know there's been issues ups and downs but now with DeJounte Murray on that team you know DeAndre Hunter is healthy um yeah, that was a road game for the Bucks. Yikes! Um, is I mean, is there a world you could see where the Hawks move on from Trey Young and the team is just a whole lot better? I think it was probably just encouraging to see the young guys, see the depth that they have now. You've always had a lot of stock on the young guy. I mean, you've liked guys like Jalen Johnson, who I haven't necessarily been super high on. He played really well in that game. A Kongwu. I mean, everybody's like secretly loved yeah. Kongwu. He was awesome as well. Had a massive, massive putback dunk over Giannis. AJ Griffin has stepped up, bad knees and all. He's out there putting up shots. He looks good. So there's a lot, and it's a lot of like wings. They have a lot of size they can throw out there as well without Trey Young. That was the thing that really stood out was when you take Trey Young off the court, they really do have a lot of size they can put out there, especially with Murray at guard now. But I mean, the moving on from Trey Young conversations would 
have to take place because the fan base there still loves him. He's beloved in the city. He's probably the number one athlete in the city right now. So it'd be hard to move on from that. Just having that on your team from a business standpoint, it's pretty big advantage. And, you know, it still feels like the team has had success with him there. You know, team, they were a former team of the year when they, your team of the year when they went to the conference finals. So you've experienced it there as well. They probably won't have that, but it is good to see that they were competing with a Bucks team that I think their schedule gets really, really soft after this, after this as well to the soft, to the point where if they had gotten past this, this Hawks game, you're looking at like, do they have one of those runs where 20 plus, you know, 15, 20 plus wins to start a season? Is it Giannis on a mission? Cause to me that would, if I was, you know, when I'm going back through the MVP narratives, Real quick, like to me, that would have been the one thing that would have just put Giannis back in the conversation is if this Bucks team had just started the season just on a massive run. They were nine and zero, but this was the schedule. This was sort of the one thing they had to get past in the schedule. And the Hawks didn't even have Trey Young, but they played super well. They competed. They even had the better Holiday in the game as well. Justin Holiday was knocking down threes in the fourth quarter. So. Mm-hmm. Spoils the Bucks' chance to have like a massive undefeated start, but they could still have a hot start in general. You know, have another nine, ten plus game win streak, be twenty and twenty five and one to start the season would still be super, super impressive. Obviously, but not 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 the whatever and zero to start the season, yeah. and it's karma because the Bucks spoiled the Warriors, the Warriors uh, win oh, streak true. back in the day. Was that a Michael Carter Williams Bucks team? Uh, I don't know why I think he was on that team, but probably not. But maybe that might have been him. I can't remember. But what season was that? Was, was that 2016? The Bucks. The Bucks? Yeah, because it was their um, 73 and nine season, and the Bucks were handed them. I think like two of those nine losses, because they were yeah they were the only team that could stop them. Um, but while we get it on that, yeah, I definitely it is on it. I mean, I definitely agree with the Hawks. You know, they have had some success with him. Uh, Trey Young's still on that team, but it's always interesting to see when you have all those long guys out there who, you know, shutting down or pushing a team like the Bucks around. And, you know, again, it's in the middle of the season, you know, so you can't put too much stock in it. And, you know, it's, but, uh, and also speaking of team of the year, yes, there are, it is, there is uh, reasons why we're not talking about the Pelicans. They're just underperforming right now. They need a, they they've been dropping a lot of games lately, and I don't know if I'd hit the alarm bells yet. We I don't flip from other teams just because they're playing bad. It's only when there's like catastrophic injuries or huge injuries to their main players, which you know is the only clause in the contract. Beyond that, we're stuck with the team. So stuck with the Pelicans through thick and thin. We'll see. We'll see how they go. Um, was it were, were we able to track it down? Or I, I think it was a yeah. It was a it was Michael Carter Williams, Bucks team. Oh okay. But the the, the Pelicans yeah, had Giannis on there at that point. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah, I think yeah. This would have been, been this would have been early, early Giannis year two Giannis. Mm-hmm. Year two. When he was hitting threes, actually. Year three Giannis. 
it would have been this would have been year three, Giannis. Was this 15, 16, or this was 16, 17, wasn't it? This might have been 22. Uh, no, I think it was 15, 16. It was 15, 16 a day. This was 16 points a game, Giannis. Very, very young, Giannis. Baby Giannis. He, yeah, he it was 15, 16. He was a three-point shooter back then, though. That's a, that was an interesting part of his film. Um, But moving to a completely different sport, different going to college, college football. Every week now, the playoff committee, college football playoff committee, is releasing its own top 25. And after this last week, Georgia dominated Tennessee at home. But Alabama lost again in overtime to Tennessee, not Tennessee, to LSU in Baton Rouge. So Bama has pretty much permanently knocked themselves out of contention. I mean, it'd have to be, there's, I mean, it'd have to be some wild combination to get them into that playoff, you know, maybe winning SEC championship against Tennessee. If they somehow win out the rest of the games and Georgia drops a couple games and then they dominate Tennessee. I don't know. That's that's giving me a headache. It's always funny with college football when they have all these weird scenarios. I think I saw one scenario that was like that. And it's like, you put a two loss Alabama in over, you know, TCU or something like that. But despite all that, I'm happy to see an undefeated TCU in there. Um, you know, with the big 12, there were, I mean, a lot of their wins were against teams that used to be ranked in the big 12, um, or in, in the college, in the national poll, but they were ranked, uh, big 12 teams. And now they're no longer kind of regressed, but, uh, TCU still undefeated and I'm happy they're in the, I'm happy that they're in the top four. Um, and for all y'all who don't know. Uh, who the top four are. Um, I'll let Ramsey because I lost the page. I won't lie. So, uh, Rem, who are who are the top four in the college playoff, football playoff? After Georgia beat Tennessee, Tennessee was obviously number one going into the week. Georgia is oh, now number one coming out of the week. Georgia, Ohio State, the boys in blue, the Michigan Whoa. Wolverines are number three. And then your boys out of the Big 12, TCU, number four. Tennessee drops to five. Oregon is six. LSU jumps up to seven. You know, they were a top 10 team. That Alabama matchup was six versus 10. So they were, they were very, very talented. And this Bama team is a little weaker in the secondary than most years. A little weaker in the skill group than it's had in the couple past. You know, they've had some elite, elite, skill guys and now they probably don't have even if you go you know they still have good skill guys but now it's you know more uneven playing ground cornerbacks are able to keep up and they've just been kind of sloppy all year as well and you you said you said going into last week that they were probably already done even if they won out and they they lost so they're pretty much definitely done at this point they're number nine and then they they're at Old Miss this week as well. Old Miss is eleven, so that's that's not a give me as well. They've lost the Tennessee and the LSU matchup on the road. This is at Old Miss. Old Miss again, eleven. So legit team. Lane Kiffin is a feisty feisty guy. Jackson darts a gutsy quarterback. Maybe they come up with something. So 
That's no gimme for Alabama. You are right. Their season is basically over. I guess this comes down. I guess, you know, I've been saying two bit two big ten, two SEC. So I, I thought it was gonna be Georgia, Alabama, but it seems like the path for Georgia, Tennessee, and then Michigan, Ohio State is very, very clear. To me, TCU at four is just kind of like a it's a nice move for TCU because they have they're gonna be at Texas this week. Texas is now storming back with Quinn Ewers. So that could be that could be the end for TCU. They did it with Clemson, you know, with the initial ranking. Let's put Clemson at four and just kind of see if they drop one of these games. They're doing it now with TCU. Let's put TCU at four at Texas, at Baylor, their next two games. Probably will drop one of those two. They can move Tennessee up. The question is going to be the Oregon-USC combo coming out of the Pac-12. And then LSU, you know, Old Miss Miss is hanging around as well. Deep, deep sleeper Old Miss. But LSU, if they're able to make some noise against Georgia in the SEC championship, what do they do? But I don't think they'll get in over Tennessee. So to me, this comes down. I, I said I said last week what it'll come down to, and now I've, it's already half changed. But I'll say it again this week: it's coming down. It's going to come down to Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, and then Oregon, USC. But I think USC is way better, so I'll say USC. Yeah, I definitely, definitely with this top four. Um, uh, I'm definitely happy to see that you know the playoff committee is um, valuing ranked team or undefeated ranked teams. Um, definitely teams that are have shown proven throughout the season that they're above and beyond. And you know, with Georgia being clearly number one, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, like mentioned beforehand, um, it's going to be interesting to see with. You guys playing you as in Wolverines playing the Buckeyes at the end of the year, you know, depending on what happens in that game, who sticks around? I mean, Ohio State has shown a little bit of signs of stumbling, and you guys have been chugging along. So it'll be interesting to see if they'll keep both of y'all in there. Um, also, with TCU still in there. Um, uh, it's definitely we're going to have some teams outside looking in. Um, like Tennessee, Oregon, and USC are going to have to figure it out at some point. So, I, I mean, I could see, you know, a world where if USC or Oregon dominates the other team and, you know, or Michigan or Oregon or Michigan or Ohio State get dominated, they might just go conference champions in the top four, you know, and go uh, Georgia, Ohio State, or Michigan, and then TCU and uh, Oregon or USC. I mean, I definitely, I know they value conference championships. Um, and I kind of want to see Caleb Williams in the college playoff. Uh, but it'll be, I, you know, at the same time, we do want the best four teams. And, you know, y'all, y'all, the Big Ten, two, the uh, Ohio State and Michigan have been up there. Um, uh, but if Michigan, you know, I don't want to scare y'all big blue fans, but, if Ohio State beats beats y'all breaks off, it's gonna be tough to defend your case, especially with that weak preseason. You know, not playing really anybody. Um, it's it's gonna get tough. I mean, that was a nice game against Penn State, but still, 
it's not not the best of resumes and um there's definitely room for another team to sneak in there but who knows who knows um anything else on the college football play? i guess shout out to kansas football their first time in like 34 i think almost 40 years being bowl eligible with beating the ranked sooners which is crazy oklahoma state um loses so you know we'll see if kansas will actually be in a bowl that'd be crazy i, don't, I can't remember the last time they were playing postseason football um you yeah, guys are Patrick Beverly. Off. You guys are Patrick Beverly after the play-in game now, taking the shirt off, waving it around, standing on the scores Fine. table. It means, yeah, this means so much to me. You know, no, no, but I'm you're not. Gonna I'm not that the, you're going to be in the sour cream and onion Pringles bowl, and you're up on the scoreboard waving the jersey. Let's go! Let's go! We play some Power Five team or Power or Group of Five team. You know, they barely made it in. Oh, my goodness. But, hey, it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. Um, But uh, quickly ending it with a little bit of Frisbee Corner here. Um, uh, As many know, um, I'm I'm a part of the Iowa, U, University of Iowa Ultimate Frisbee Club. He won um, athlete. Okay, it's a club, but you know, I you know, do you want that? But maybe you know, some would say, some would say. But at the end of this week, we are traveling to Columbia, Missouri, for a pretty big tournament. Missouri loves company; it's kind of a weird name. But frisbee likes making fun of itself with dumb names and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny because that we're second in our poll, and the number one team in our poll is Cincinnati. So we're we're turning on our Belichick mine and we're on the cincinnati um they they call them their nickname is like the since sinisters that's like c-i-n-s-t-e-r but anyway we should definitely win our poll and go three and oh and uh we'll probably play one of the top three teams in our region which is really important for us because we have to beat one of them to make it to nationals this year which is our main goal so it's gonna be a big weekend i'm pretty much long short of it it's big weekend but at the same time it's it's a nice kind of big weekend where there's not actual a lot of pressure because there's still a lot of time between now and the actual postseason in the spring. But this is a good like ruler kind of tournament to be like, okay, how far are we really here compared to our peers? You know, and you know, if we perform really well here, we will definitely improve our case to get bids for better tournaments in the spring which leads to better competition which leads to better chance of making nationals so it's definitely an important tournament but you know it's fun it's it's a fun time but uh yeah it's it's a big season and you know making i mean our our program hasn't made nationals in like i think over a decade almost i mean there's definitely been whole classes of teams going in and out who haven't made it, which, you know, is, is wild to think of when, you know, at one point we were competing for top three in the in the nation. So it's, it, you know, it, it'll be nice too. It's kind of weird, kind of, kind of weird story, but kind of pushing the team to somewhat of its former glory, at least making nationals. I mean, you know, it used to be really competitive, but, you know, at least making national. It's fun. It's fun time though. It's a fun time, but um, is there anything else you want to put in, uh, Rem? Any, anything going on with you putting, Throwing into the pod. 
I mean, if anybody's going to restore glory to the ultimate Frisbee team, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be Sam. I mean, that's just, we expect nothing less than, than glory on the pod. But I mean, I, I, I think, I think you guys, I think you guys can turn around the curse. You know, I think you guys can do the, the Red Sox, the, the, curse of the band you can you can break the curse you can do the 04 world series i think this can be it for you i i think i think you can be the i think you can be the energy guy they just need to find a way to to unlock you out there and then maybe they'll uh then maybe they'll have something i don't know i don't know so far my nickname has been uh some some call me clampson so who knows oh that's a good one I know it's kind of kind of good. Who knows? Who knows? I I've definitely I'm definitely missing the piece of laying out. You know, putting my body on the line for frisbee because I love frisbee, but you know I'm not actually trying to get injured. You know, I work you know a lot of hours. I work full time and do full time school. So you know, but who knows? Definitely when it comes down to it, I'm you know I'm willing to put a lot on the line, but. We'll see. We'll see. It's definitely it's a commitment. It's a commitment. So, uh, but anyway, definitely um, show some love if you're listening to the pod and finally made it here. Um, watch out for our other stuff going on uh, throughout the week. Well, uh, get um, check. Make sure you're following the Instagram, uh, Rem and Sam. Rem, Rem is working hard on there, putting up quality shorts that are blowing up bringing so many eyes to the pod more than i you know ever thought we would in this short of time and um yeah thank you for listening um and yeah to look out for the next pod